Most people don't know yeah. the inner workings of being a park ranger. Right. And a lot of the purpose of this is to make this accessible to people. Ash, having done this before, think of her as your mentor through the process. <laughs> this is the Exploring the National Parks podcast with Dirt in My Shoes. My name is Ash, and I'm a former park ranger and the founder of Dirt in My Shoes. I think that the parks are best seen from the trail, and I'm here to make national park trip planning easy. And I'm John. I carry the kids on the trails, I tell stories, and notice all the things that Ash doesn't care about much, like birds. Join us as we show you around America's spectacular national parks. We're sharing our favorite places, fun facts, adventures, and misadventures. And we'll even throw in a little trip planning. Let's start exploring. We just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has left a review for us. We have been reading through them. I wish there was a way that we could like respond. Yeah. You guys are the best. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's fun. And we really, really, really appreciate you guys. Yeah. So if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. That helps us out a bunch. And we do read through all of them and we love you. But today we are jumping in to a question that I get asked quite often, actually. So I wanted to take a minute to talk about how to become a park ranger. Woohoo! Shout out to all our rangers (laughs) and future rangers. (laughs) This episode is going to be mostly me just explaining the process, which I'm hoping isn't too boring. I think it's really (laughs) interesting. I've been through the process a bunch of times, so I'm just like really excited to help you get started in the park service if that's something you want to do or somebody that you know. I feel like I get a lot of emails from parents Uh actually saying, you know, my son's in high school and and he thinks he wants to be a park ranger. What should he do to get started and stuff? But then I have a lot of people who say that's something they want to do later on, maybe after retiring from their first career. Right thinking about joining the park service, which I had a lot of coworkers that they were on their second career with the park service. That'd be a sweet way to do it. I know. Maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I have to say, when I was like looking at stuff, I was was looking at the types of jobs they have available right now. And I was like, oh, that would be fun. Oh, I would love that one. Oh, I want to work there. That would be so cool. (laughs) So you might lose me from dirt in my shoes (laughs) if I decide to go back to to the park park service. (laughs) I feel like if that happened, I would be alone at my house with my two kids going to school and Ash would be (laughs) off at a national park somewhere. She'd just wake up one day, pack a bag. Uh, See you at the end of the season. I know. There was a bunch of jobs in Acadia um, that were open right now when I was looking and I was like, oh, hands down, I'm there. So That's awesome. I will say after Ash and I got married that we both did try to get ranger jobs mm-hmm. after we got married and I was offered a couple of spots. You were. I was. John I could have been a park ranger. Them. I did not take them because I think it was because we didn't get jobs in the same place. Mm-hmm. I think that was mainly what it was. That's it, the trick if you're trying to get couple job. Right. <laughs> you know, trying to both go to the same park. Usually... 
especially when you're just starting out, you kind of have to take what you can get. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we just, it just didn't ever coordinate quite the right way that we could both do it. Yeah. We ended up getting different jobs, which is much less fun, but. Yeah. But the, it, it wasn't because they did an interview with me in person and was like, have you ever had too much fun playing with matches around the campfire? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> they wouldn't have hired you. <laughs> no, just He's kidding. Got shifty eyes. <laughs> no. So, um, pop quiz. Woo! Can you name the different types of park rangers? Which, how many can you think of? Because I think a lot of people have in their mind that there's like just park rangers, mm-hmm. right? But there are so many different types. And so that's what's really cool is no matter what your skill level is or your education level, your experience level, like there are different jobs as a park ranger, but it might not just be the traditional one that you think of. Right. So how many can you think of just based off our trips to the parks? Well, there's chatty park rangers, and then there's <laughs> introvert rangers. There's sneezy ones, dopey ones. Okay, it's going with the seven dwarves. Um, let's see. There's trail crew. Mm-hmm. There's maintenance. Mm-hmm. There is uh, interpretive rangers. Yeah. Let's just talk of it as you think of them. Okay. And then I'll fill in the blanks. Which means that she was somewhat surprised at the (laughs) accuracy of my guesses. I'm actually, I'm really surprised that you're like getting the right names for them too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, okay. So there's, you said trail crew first. Trail crew first. So trail crew, there's a couple of different ways that they do this. But if you want to work the trails in a park, a lot of times you don't have to have as much education or experience or skill That's kind of more of a good entry-level place to start. Mm -hmm. What you do have to have is grit. (laughs) You have to be willing to be in the backcountry for an extended period of time. Because I had a lot of friends on trail crew when I worked at Grand Teton. And they would work like their schedule was like eight days on, four days off type of thing. And then they would hike back into the backcountry with their chainsaws and their tools and everything. So you got to be able to carry tools. Right. You're going to have a strong back. Yeah. Sturdy folk. Yeah. Yeah. And so they have to carry all that stuff back in there and then they'll camp or in some parks, they even have like backcountry ranger small little huts. Uh (laughs) Grand Teton has some. You wouldn't even know, by the way. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. That there's like these huts. There's one um, in a very busy part of Grand Teton in the backcountry. I'm not going to say where it is because (laughs) I don't know if the Park Service wants people to know. I don't think they do. But it's like just it's just branches off the main trail just a little bit and it's hidden back in the trees. And there's like a big like a decent sized hut back there. Nice. That they can use for being in the backcountry. And when it's not being used by trail crew, it's inhabited by backcountry witches. Oh, yeah. That um, <laughs> With <laughs> try the to lure, and- <laughs> lure unsuspecting hikers into their ovens. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So trail crew, you can do it that way. Like some parks do it that way where you are like in the backcountry for a while. Mm-hmm. There's also, if you're a, like in high school, you can join a trail crew. And it's, it's usually called the um, SCA or uh, YCC. Those are a couple different programs that if you're a little bit younger, you can join. And then you work more on like the front country trails. So you'll go out for the whole day, work on the trail, go back to your lodging. 
right. and then go out again the next day. Right. So they had both of those in Grand Teton while I was there. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that looks fun. That's really Plus cool. Plus you're hiking in all the best places. Yeah. Right? That's so cool. I think they keep the high schoolers and younger away from the huts. They because do. Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful about that. <laughs> so yeah. So that's the trail cruise. So that's a really fun way to start and to see just a lot of the park. Yeah, we've seen out. some trail crews doing maintenance on some really amazing stretches of trail. But you got to work hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard work. <laughs> but man, you get to do some cool things. I love using chainsaws. They're so much fun. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So trail crew. So there's trail crew. Trail crew. Okay. The next one you said was uh, maintenance. Maintenance. And maintenance is, I think, kind of the unsung heroes of park rangers. Oh my gosh. If it wasn't for them. Could you imagine? Yeah, they work in the background a lot. A lot of times you won't see them, but they're the ones who are maintaining the facilities. They're the ones who clean the bathrooms. Yeah. I mean, talk about a thankless job. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine if they didn't do their job, if it wasn't for maintenance people, those poor pit toilets would just be unusable. I know. Thank you, maintenance. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. But they do those things But plus, like, uh, when I worked in Alaska, there was one guy, his job, he, like, ran the composting program for the park. Uh Uh-huh. Because as park rangers, any of us who lived in the park, like, we all had to compost. It was mandatory. Right. (laughs) I remember you talking about this. And I had never done it before. It was very, a new thing for me. But um, so he ran, like, education programs, like, teaching us how to do it and best practices and then provided us with our little composting bins. And then he would come around and gather up all the compost and then take it and, and manage it. Huh. And so, like, that's, I think, a really unique job. And it's going to vary park to park. But, I mean, we've got to have those maintenance people out there taking care of things and making sure that things are running properly so that we can enjoy the developed areas well, of yeah. the parks. I mean, during our glacier episodes, do you remember when we were talking about how some of those beautiful lodges fell into disrepair? Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for maintenance people that I think... We would lose a lot of our amazing structures and historical things that are built in these national parks. So I really, I root to trails, root, root to maintenance. <laughs> yeah. Hurrah, huzzah. Huzzah. Um, <laughs> and maintenance is another good place to start, especially if you like working with your hands and you don't want to sit at a desk. Yep. Again, like a lot of the entry level jobs for maintenance don't require as much education or skill or experience. You can jump in and get your foot in the door pretty easy, right? comparatively so, right? in a job like maintenance. Yep. So, awesome. And a lot of people don't know that those, like, they count as park rangers. They're park rangers. Heck yeah, man. They get the hat. Yeah, man. <laughs> they get extra, like, hardier clothes, too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can so. <laughs> understand needing something a little bit more heavy duty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're working on your hands and knees, sometimes fixing things and stuff, the uniform changes from department to department, right. just depending on your job. That makes sense. Although I feel like most of the time, the uniform is still kind of doesn't make sense for the type <laughs> of work you're supposed to do. <laughs> I'm just saying, like hiking around in that flat hat, at least now they let us switch to like the ball caps and stuff. But mm-hmm. like, and my hiking boots that I had to wear as a park ranger, 
were so terrible. They hurt my feet so bad. You watch your mouth. <laughs> Stephen Mather would be so upset at you right now. They hurt my feet. <laughs> Toughen up or get out. <laughs> okay. The next one you said um, was interpretation. If you work in interpretation, then that is what people think of as a park ranger. Right. That's the division that if you want to be like the quintessential park ranger, you want to look for a job in interp. Those are the people that do displays, you know, like last one that we saw was when we were in Glacier and they had a table and a bunch of different furs and they're teaching, you know, kids all the different kinds of bears and all the different creatures and letting them feel the claws and describing lots of things to people. They're the face, right? They're the ones that are really the the teachers in the park service. Yeah. So they're the ones that will work. They'll do like the, the tours or the night programs, the evening programs. Right. Visitor centers, places like that is where you're going to see those interpretation rangers. Yeah. Oh, man. And only because we've been to some places multiple times and taken the same tour multiple times, like you can learn something completely different depending on the ranger that you're with. Absolutely. Like when we were in, I think it was Carlsbad Caverns, this last trip, we'd taken that tour before and the ranger completely changes the entire tour. Like on this last time, he talked about all the different people from Hollywood and politics, people in pop culture that had visited Carlsbad Caverns. And that was something a different ranger had never talked about before. So I don't know, you just get totally different aspects of information depending on the ranger that you have and what they're interested in, what their passions are. Yeah, so the rangers will write their own tours in most cases. Like you'll be given like an outline, but then you make it your own. And so, yeah, you'll you'll find a lot of differences. In fact, when I went to Mammoth Cave just last summer, the so the first time that I went to Mammoth Cave, I was like, like this cave is really cool because it's big, uh-huh. but I didn't love it as much as I love Carlsbad Caverns, right? Because Carlsbad Caverns is big, but it also is like really, really pretty. It's really easy <laughs> to appreciate Carlsbad it Caverns. Is. So I went to Mammoth Cave the first time and was like, I mean, yeah, it's super cool, but it's, is it my favorite cave? No. This last time I went, I took a different tour and had a different ranger. And just the way that he presented his love of the cave. I mean, he was, I think it does help kind of sometimes. Well, it depends. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes it helps to have more experienced rangers giving your tours. People uh-huh. that have been there for a long time, which was the case in Mammoth Cave this last time I went. He had been working in the cave for like 30 years. Wow. So he just knew everything, you right. know, and he loved it and was so excited about it. He never <laughs> goes outside to see the sun. <laughs> yeah. He is a vitamin D deficient. You can also get rangers that have been there for a long time that are tired. <laughs> And not as excited. So it can go both ways. Right. But uh, yeah, it totally depends on the ranger and which programs you connect with and what you're interested in. And so you never like you can go to the same program twice and have it be totally different. Right. Just depending on who's giving that program. So and I worked an interp in Utah. I worked at Timpanogos Cave National Monument and I gave cave tours there. Uh huh. So I do. I just have a love for (laughs) caves and cave tours. It was eye-opening because, yeah, my tours were totally different than other people's because I was interested in certain things that other people didn't talk about on their own, you know? And so, yeah, it totally depends. But it's really fun to be able to have that connection with the visitors, to answer their questions, to have teaching moments, and to just help people really 
appreciate what they're seeing. Yeah. Better. I think I think my favorite interpretive ranger was one of your friends, your roommate of actually up in Glacier Bay. Mm-hmm. She could do an amazing rendition of Rindersella. Yeah. I've <laughs> uh, never heard of that. It's awesome. It's basically the storyteller's like comedy version of the story of Cinderella. And she could do it. She could just like bust it out. But you like screw up all the words. And so like the, what is it? The mean sisters were like the blisters or something uh-huh. like that. So it's really funny. Yeah, it's funny. But uh, she was the, hilarious. The Bar J, even though they're not running anymore out of Jackson, I'm so sad. They have a really cool, funny version of Rindersella. Yes. So you can look it up. But well, and she worked mostly with the elementary age education programs. Right. And so that's another difference. You know, you can be an interp and you can either work with uh, the visitors that come in or you're doing like outreach programs mm-hmm. to schools and, and stuff like that. So it just depending on the park, there's like so many different nuances and different ways that you're going to be interpreting the resource to people. So yes. So that is the main, like if you're thinking of being a park ranger and you want to be the quintessential park ranger, then a job in interpretation is where you'll want to look. Yes. Okay. What's another one, John? Another one? Entrance station? Yeah. Well, yes. The entrance stations. So this one is called a visitor use assistant. Okay. A VUA. And this is... A A A This one is really where you start. It's a good entry-level position, too. Mm-hmm. Like It's kind of hard to start an interp. That's kind of a harder place to to get a job but you can start in vua and have similar kind of experiences do they put you in in the the visitor center at all for a vua it totally depends on the park okay totally depends so my first job with the park service was as a vua at grand teton and i worked in the moose entrance station right and that's mainly what i did was working at the entrance station but it also depends on your boss and um, kind of how they schedule and structure things. Uh-huh. Because my boss was really cool. Yeah, we got uh, usually a day a week to go out and do something else. So a lot of times I would shadow other rangers. Uh, I got to go out with um, other types of rangers and see what they did and make those connections. Uh, I got to do trail patrol. Nice. So I would go out and just trail patrol is basically just hiking with a radio. <laughs> So, (laughs) yeah, so that was always one of my favorites because I would just as long as I took the radio, I could go anywhere in the park and just monitor things, you know, and so that was always awesome. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we would we would do like little short stints in the visitor center and kind of fill in as needed. And if we had extra, you know, the extra days scheduled, then we could go do something else that was on the approved list of activities and get paid for it. So that was a really fun job. I feel like having a radio on me at all times is a really bad idea because I feel like I'd always have a captive audience for jokes. I don't think that they would trust you with a radio after a few times. (laughs) I'd be like Michael Scott do when he figured out how to use like his inter office phone and he would always call Ryan and be like, pretend to be different people. (laughs) Yeah. Michael, this is Michael Jackson. (laughs) This is Mike Tasson. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody give John a radio. Um, But yeah, I was a VUA in Grand Teton, but I was also a VUA in Alaska at Glacier Bay. 
And the jobs were vastly different. Yeah. You've told me tons of stories. Like you were on the radio working with boats in the harbors and also doing like emergency patrols, search and rescue and things like that. Yeah. So depending on the size of the, and how many people actually visit and how people visit, like if most people in Glacier Bay visit by boat and not necessarily by land. Exactly. Yeah. And so I worked dispatch. So I monitored the radios for all the other park rangers that were out doing stuff. Uh, We monitored the boats, the park service boats that were out there. And the other boats that came into Glacier Bay always had to radio into us. Like the cruise ships and stuff? Uh Uh-huh. And so we would connect with anyone who was entering Glacier Bay by boat. But I also did permits. Nice. So boating and camping permits. I did all the... You had to take a course, a short course, before you could go out and camp in the backcountry. I taught that. Wow. (laughs) Um, We did search and rescue. I went out with the the law enforcement, uh, all that. I went out with the whale researchers. So that job was very different. It was a good level up (laughs) or a a big step up, I should say, a big promotion from what I did in Grand Teton. So do you think that the getting a starter position at a smaller park allows you to wear more hats, basically, even though you're only wearing one hat, but you you get more responsibilities in a smaller park? Yes, yeah. I think I think you get more variety in your work okay. when there's less people there to do it. Mm, that's cool. But in truth, when you're starting out as a park ranger, you're just kind of trying to take what you can get. Mm-hmm. Because if you get your foot in the door and you get that first job, it's a lot easier to get your next job. <laughs> right. And to move up and to get promoted through the GS system, which we'll talk about. So you kind of just... You take what you can get. Like a lot of people want to work in those bigger parks. You can start by trying there, but you're much more likely to get hired somewhere small, maybe even a national monument or something like that, starting there and then working your way up to those bigger parks. What about going from like a different agency, like maybe the BLM into the park service? Does that work because they're all part of the interior? Yeah. So they all use, pretty much all of them use the same job board. (laughs) Basically. Interesting. So yeah, um, it gets a little messy just but but your experience in another agency will transfer. And they do look at experience cool. as part of like the hiring process. So did any of the Disney cruise lines like call in with like using a voice like it was Mickey or Minnie or Donald <laughs> or something? Disney doesn't go to Glacier Bay. We oh never boy, had glaciers. We're just so excited to come and see glaciers in Glacier Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the Interpretation Rangers in Glacier Bay did, though? They had to ride on a boat out to the cruise ships, and the cruise ships open a giant door at the bottom of the ship, like just right above the water level. Oh my gosh. And they put a ladder from the Glacier Bay boat to the cruise ship. And the rangers have to climb up the ladder into the cruise ship. While it's moving. While it's moving. Everything's moving. And nice. the rangers board, go on, do their program for the day. And then come the boat comes and picks them back up. And they have to go back down the ladder through the hatch <laughs> and onto the boat and back to Glacier Bay. I want to see a ranger do it like in the Johnny Depp Captain Jack Sparrow like waltz like the way that he walks all yeah. funky. I want to see. I feel like they could just do some really interesting choreography to get into the boat. Oh, but like, where else are you going to do that? That's not an interpretation uh, job in Yellowstone. Right. You don't get to climb onto a cruise ship while it's moving. So (laughs) it just, it totally depends on the park, which I think is really cool. That's awesome. Okay. What's another one? Uh, Let's see. 
Administrative. Yes, there is admin. A lot of times that will be like dispatching, HR, stuff like that. So just like like a lot of businesses, there's Toby even in the, I don't know why I'm coming up with so many office references Yeah, we're on today. an office kick. <laughs> I got my degree in HR. And you should I, go back to the annex. Yeah. Dare I? <laughs> Dare, Dare I? I? That's my favorite. <laughs> my favorite line of the whole series. <laughs> so yeah, there's admin. Anything else you can think of? No. Let's just, that's the, ex- okay. I've exhausted hey, my knowledge. Okay, you did pretty good. Okay, um, sometimes some parks have like specific backcountry rangers. Okay. In Grand Teton, for example, they have climbing rangers. Ooh, cool. There's specific climbing rangers there. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, depending on the park, they'll have different types of rangers that like hang out in certain areas and have specific specialties or things that they do like that. Oh, this is a big one. The wildlife or the like the science techs. Ooh, yeah. So you'll have wildlife researchers. You'll have plant researchers. Mm-hmm. You know, people in there like doing like invasive species and tracking the bears and tracking the whales and that would <laughs> all be so, of that. That'd be so cool. Oh yeah. So those are the people that like work out in the field and do the real sciencey stuff. You know, like, if that's your jam. Where better to do that than in a national park? That'd be so cool. They're the guys like that you see on, I don't know, PBS programs holding like the radio things on the side of the road, trying to figure out where all the animals with the collars are. Yeah. They put up cameras around the park and they watch the cameras to see what the wildlife are doing. And um, when I was in Glacier Bay, I got to go out with the whale researchers. They had specific orca researchers and humpback whale researchers. And they both had their own boats that they would take out and identify which whales they were seeing because the humpback whales, you can identify by their flukes. Whoa. They all have, yeah, they all have individual flukes. And so they can identify which whale they're looking at based on what its tail looks like. Interesting. So I learned that. (laughs) That's pretty cool. (laughs) And those are the ones that like, when I have people email me about becoming a park ranger and a lot of people will say, you know, do I need to have a specific degree to get a job as a park ranger and for those ones yeah yeah they are looking for a specific degree that makes sense so a lot of the other ones you don't have to but that one is one that you pretty much always have to have a good amount of education in that field nice that makes sense and then the last one i wanted to talk about is probably one of the most important and that is the protection division so the law enforcement rangers Ooh, nice they got us once but they didn't give us a ticket Nope. Just a warning. I talked my way out of it. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize that there is a specific division of law enforcement rangers. So they actually have to go through their own academy, basically, for the park service. It's a specific park service academy that these law enforcement rangers have to go through and graduate to be able to be the law enforcement in the parks. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Could you imagine? I wonder what the obstacle course looks like for park ranger police <laughs> i don't know that would be pretty awesome yeah i mean you have they to just go let through the a training. bear loose or something like that and you have <laughs> to run a <laughs> that'd be sweet ne- never mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think they do that uh, but yeah so those ones are the ones that like they'll pull you over for speeding they're the ones that take people to the yellowstone jail which we <laughs> talked about in the dumb national park behavior episode that's coming up and anyway 
They're the ones that emergency responders. When there's an emergency, somebody has a health crisis, bad things happen. They're there to help and support you and take care of you. Yeah. They keep us safe in the parks. They're the ones that can help you in those rural areas. A lot of the times, you know, they're the EMTs and the, the, the law enforcement and all that. They are rangers, but they do need specialized training. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. So, Do you think they have to take off the hat to do CPR properly? Yes. It keeps bumping the person <laughs> that they're trying yes. to do. This just keeps getting in the way. Stupid brim of this hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I worked really closely with the protection rangers up in Alaska. And so part of my job, um, like I said, was dispatch. And so we were in constant contact with them. And the head of law enforcement at the time when I was there, Gus, he is one of my favorite people ever that Mm -hmm. I've ever met in any of my jobs. We saw him a few years ago in Yosemite. He moved back to Yosemite and transferred there. And he was a a Mountie. I don't know what they call him in America. (laughs) (laughs) But in Yosemite, uh, some of their law enforcement rangers are on horseback. I think he would be so offended. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know what they're called. (laughs) I think Mounties are cool. They're so cool. It's true. I'm sure he wouldn't be that offended. He's just like, that's not what we call ourselves. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Gus. But that's really cool. That's super cool. You know, there's different ways to be a law enforcement ranger too. When we were up in Alaska, he was on a boat a lot. He would board people's boats and check that they had the proper permits and stuff like that. So I got to go out with him and and other law enforcement rangers and just be on the boat Mm -hmm. when they're making their, you know, I don't know what you call them on a boat. (laughs) Inspections? You're pulling them over. Oh, (laughs) Like they have, (laughs) the boats have sirens on them and stuff, they'll pull people over and and board their boats and make sure that they're not catching too many fish and that they have the permits they need and stuff. So again, it's just, it's really unique. Yeah. Depending on the park, what your jobs are, but. And unlike, unlike the Central Park Mounted Police, the Mounted Rangers are not on the naughty list. They are not. No. No, they're good. Yes, they are. I know. I always, I was like, hey, that's not a nice way to portray those <laughs> those poor policemen in Central yes. Park. Oh, if, catch the elf reference, anybody, just so you know. Yeah. That's what that is. <laughs> I caught it. I got it. Nailed it. Good job. Okay, so those are the different types of rangers. And again, there's going to be some overlap just depending on which park you're at and and what type of jobs that they're having you do. So don't by any means like write off any one particular type of job or ranger because it is going to depend entirely on the park. Right. And it might be somewhat fluid too. Like after your first season or something, you might be able to move around. Well, you can move around, but you'll probably move divisions if you want to change parks so okay yeah they keep it pretty divided it's just that your job varies depending on which park you're in right and i'm acting like i know what i'm talking i know he doesn't know what he's talking about (laughs) so it's okay so now i want to talk about kind of how to get your foot in the door now that you have a good overview of the types of jobs that are available if you are in high school college or a recent graduate that is going to be the easiest way to get into a job with the Park Service hmm. because they have special programs set up for that age range of like 16 to graduate studies. So oh. I guess you don't have to be a certain age right. <laughs> necessarily, but in that kind of time of life hmm. where you're you're going to school and you're getting a degree. And that's how I got started in the Park Service as well. They want people with fresh knees. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So um, they have, I mentioned, they have the SCA, which is a student program that kind of places almost interns. It's like interns. A lot of these jobs are not paid. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or if they are, they're not paid really well, but it really is just to get your foot in the door. People listening are like, now she tells us. I know. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, You can get a job that's paid. It's just some of them are more volunteer type positions. Some are more charitable. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Um, So you have the SCA, you have YCC uh, for high schoolers, you have the Pathways program, which is for college students. And again, it just makes it easier. You're not, so when you're getting hired for the park service, there's what's known as like a competitive hire, which is everyone. And then you've got the non-competitive hire, which is still competitive, but like if you have certain different programs that you can apply for that will push your resume kind of forward in the group and put you in front of the right people faster, right? if that makes sense. Yeah, this SCA Pathways YCC, like that's something that just, it doesn't have to go through the full hiring process. Right. All the, the federal government. Like yeah. That. I <laughs> yeah. went through, that was what I went through when I was applying was the Pathways. Yeah. And so that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and and it almost basically sent it directly to that person who was making the hiring decision. Right. Versus going through the competitive side, which you've got to move through a lot more paperwork and a lot more of the process. It just takes longer. Right. So parks will do non-competitive when they need to like hire faster too. And so that's why they do like, like they like hiring the students and stuff. A lot of the people do, because um, if they need someone in three months, if you (laughs) do it the regular way, you might not even have candidates in front of you in three months to even choose from. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas if you do it like through one of these other programs, you can get things rolling faster. The government is not known for moving quickly. It's What are you talking about? It's super (laughs) efficient. (laughs) So So efficient. Yeah. So if you qualify for one of these programs, then definitely use that if you can to get your foot in the door faster. There's also, after I worked for the Park Service, I worked for a nonprofit called American Conservation Experience or ACE. And we placed interns and a lot of them were paid, actually. Yes. (laughs) They actually did make money. But we placed interns into the parks and you'd get paid less but only for like that you know four months of your appointment Mm -hmm. in that park and then most of the time the park would hire those same people back for just a regular job which is awesome yeah so it's a great way to get your foot in the door yeah so if they like you then they'll keep you if they can. So um, definitely like going through these programs, even though you might take a little less pay up front or no pay up front, a lot of times those are the people that will get hired the next season or the next job opening. Right. Especially if this is kind of the passion, your passion, and this is really what you want to get into. It's nice that they have all these different avenues for you to take. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's mostly for like youth, student, and recent grads. Um, for adults, they have special hiring programs or uh, more of a non-competitive hiring process for uh, veterans, mm-hmm. military. They do have some for military spouses, oh, which I thought was really cool. That is cool. Uh, disabled. They have a, a type of hiring that's non-competitive that's called local hire. Mm-hmm. And so if you live close to a park and you're really familiar with the area and they don't have to like transplant you (laughs) into somewhere that you don't know uh, anything about, Mm -hmm. um, then they can hire you faster that way. 
That's awesome. And if they don't have to provide housing, sometimes they don't provide housing because if you already live right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one actually, usually for local hire. So if you live close to a park, call the park or look on their website and look specifically for local hire because they usually won't put that up on the regular job board. Mm-hmm. But you can do it that way and get hired a lot faster and easier too. That's awesome. Yeah. It's such a great way for a lot of people that live in these areas to, so I think it's a great job. Oh my gosh, yeah. if I lived in, I don't know, Browning or something like that, back near Glacier, I would totally be like, yes, I already live here. Yeah, well, send and me, they- Send me in. If you go to Two Medicine, because Two Medicine is the closest area to Browning, and you're on a Native American reservation in that area, a lot of the rangers at Two Medicine are Native American. Right. And it's a local hire, I'm sure. I don't know for sure, but I'm sure it is, because they can just pick people from the community- and put them in these jobs. That are already really familiar with the area. So that's super cool. Yeah, so that's an option. And then if you don't qualify for any of those, then you'll want to start looking for jobs that are entry-level, seasonal positions to get your foot in the door. Right. Or you can volunteer. And they have a full website, volunteer.gov, that has tons of opportunities in the parks that you can volunteer for. Mm -hmm. And that's an awesome way to get uh, just... So that you meet the right people and then people who make the hiring decisions. I was looking, okay, I'm ready to volunteer. <laughs> um, I was looking, so I was looking in Utah and they had volunteer positions open for the visitor center at Arches, which I'm like, that's like a real job yeah, with real experience. Yeah. And if you volunteered there for, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours a week, like, they would totally hire you back if they liked oh, you. Oh, absolutely. That'd be awesome. And you'd get to do something really cool in the meantime. We see volunteers in parks all the time. Volunteers you know, are the best. Yes. If it wasn't for volunteers, I mean, there's just not enough funding going to the national parks to maintain, especially some of these bigger ones that are so busy, to do all of the different services that we expect and want in our national parks. So volunteers are an amazing supplement to the park service infrastructure. I know. And they're usually like the happiest ones too. Yeah, it's true. They find that like they're excited to be there. They're there because they want to be, not because it's a job. And they're the ones that like run my, I think my favorite ones are the ones at the Holsworth historic site in Rocky Mountain. And they like, yes, that was fun. Give tours through the old homestead and stuff. Like they're always so nice and excited and fun. (laughs) Some of them are like the really chatty folks that you don't want to necessarily bump into right before you're like on the way to the bathroom. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, where's the bathroom? Oh, it's right over there. But did you see this awesome display? <laughs> you know, oh, they're the best. I love volunteers so much. So that's another option. But if you're going to just go through like the regular process and you want to start, look for an entry level seasonal position and let's Talk about the process. Okay. Can you tell I'm geeking out about this? I <laughs> I know it's not the most exciting subject matter, but most people don't know yeah. the inner workings of being a park ranger. Right. And a lot of the purpose of this is to make this accessible to people. Ash, having done this before, think of her as your mentor through the process. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... The National Park Service posts their jobs on usajobs.gov. And mm-hmm. so that's really where you'll want to start. Jobs, like I mentioned, the federal government isn't known for moving super fast. And so jobs will typically open much earlier than you're thinking about wanting a job for the summer. (laughs) I'm talking like September, October 
For a for, June job? For the next, yeah, the wow. next round of the summer season. So, wow. yeah, yeah. So, so, if, if, so, for a young college student that doesn't know where their next meal is coming from, right. that's quite an ask. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. But if you miss it, you miss the application window to get into the parks that you're wanting to apply for. So, yep. you do want to start checking around that time, like the end of September. Right. What it feels like to me is like classic Netflix. You know, when you had to choose what movie you wanted to watch and then they'd mail it to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then by the time you get it, you're like, I don't want to watch this. Yeah, I'm not in the mood for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like two weeks before Valentine's Day, you're in the mood for like a horror movie and then it in- arrives for Valentine's Day. You're like, this doesn't fit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the federal government is still a little bit in the uh, the dark ages when it comes to the hiring process sometimes. So that's the first tip is make sure you're checking like in September, October, because you don't want to miss most parks. Like they'll put up all their jobs that they anticipate filling for the upcoming year or the upcoming season. Mm-hmm. They'll put them all kind of available in a two or three week window. Right. So if you miss that two or three week window for the park you're hoping to work at, then they may not post any other jobs at all before the summer starts. So you do want to watch it. But yeah, you'll go to usajobs.gov. And it was funny because I was going through usajobs.gov and I was like, man, this is kind of confusing Uh for like a regular person. I can read it because they've got all the numbers and letters of all the pay grades and everything, you know. And so I have experience with that. But I'm thinking as like a regular person who has never even tried to work for the park service before you would get in there and be like, well, that job sounds good, but I have no idea what any of these numbers mean. Yeah. It's total gibberish. It is very much filled with jargon and a different language. It is. So you can search for, they'll post both their more temporary seasonal jobs and their permanent jobs as a start, like to get into the park service, you will not get a permanent job. Right there's pretty much a 95% chance <laughs> that that's not going to happen. Right. And so you want to The government start... likes to try you out first. Yes, they do. Because once you're in, you're never leaving. Like they can't <laughs> get rid of you. So <laughs> It's true. Oh, so, so you work your way through the temporary seasonal. You get the experience you need. And then when you're ready to switch to a permanent, then you go through. It's still a pretty competitive hiring process to get those permanent positions. And then once you get the permanent, those are the park rangers that are there like year round. They have a full career. They're there to stay. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can move around parks from position to position. But once you're permanent, you're pretty much in. Right. So you're part of the club. You are, but you've got to start probably temporary and seasonal for most people. So don't, don't jump too high. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Be okay with working a summer season. Um, Those temporary ones are usually for about six months. You had a lot of friends that would, in the government tryouts, basically, that would be a summer ranger, and then they'd go and work at ski resorts for the off season. Oh, yeah. You had lots of friends that did that. Yeah, you just kind of work a seasonal life for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I had friends who would work uh, as a ranger in Grand Teton in the summer, and then as a, like, on ski patrol at Targi or, or Snow King or any of those resorts right there mm-hmm. for the winter. So they'd live in Jackson year round, but they'd switch jobs. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That'd be it's pretty the fun. life. I know. That'd be sweet. I know. If you're in a position to do that, just live it up. When else are you going to have that much fun? <laughs> now married with two kids. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely feeling that. <laughs> As you're looking at jobs, uh, you'll want to look for, again, if you can apply for any of those special programs through the Pathways program or if you're military or anything, make sure you look and filter out the jobs that are accepting applications that way too. Mm -hmm. Because again, you'll have an easier time. It's not as competitive to get your resume in front of the right people. So um, you can filter it out by that too. And another tip, it is usually easier to start with a smaller, lesser known park. Right. And I mentioned this before, but if you're having a hard time as you're trying to get your foot in the door, uh, both for the temporary and the permanent positions, this is true of both. But if you're trying to get your foot in the door, you're usually going to have better luck starting somewhere smaller where like nobody wants to go. Right. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> and so what? you might... There's no place in the National Park Service where nobody wants to go. Yes. Well, keep thinking that. (laughs) Um, But so, you know, you might start at a smaller park, work your way up seasonally to a bigger park. But then when you want to go permanent and stay with the Park Service, you might have to take a permanent position back down at a smaller unknown park. Right. If that makes sense. And work your way back up to those bigger ones too. So you kind of climb the ladder up seasonally Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you drop back down when you're ready to go permanent and then you climb the ladder back up. It's kind of like going through school. You know, you start out in kindergarten, you're at the very bottom. By the time you're a sixth grader, you're like, yeah, man, I got this. (laughs) And then seventh grade comes. Back at the bottom. Oh my gosh. Stuffed in a locker. (laughs) Lunch money stolen. (laughs) Exactly. And then finally, you're king of middle school, and then you do the whole thing again in in high school. It's true. It's true. That's a perfect analogy. Good job, John. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. So when you're looking at the different jobs that are available, you'll notice that they have a GS number, most of them. And that GS number is basically the level, the pay grade, but also like the level of job that you're taking. So a lower GS number is a more entry-level job. It requires less experience. It pays less. That's your entry-level job. Right. And so if you find a GS that's like three or four, that's a good indication that that's the place to start if you don't have Park Service experience. Right. Most rangers are a five or a seven. That's about average. And I got up to us. I was a seven before I stopped working for the Park Service. You just couldn't cut it in middle school. <laughs> Um, but you got those big glasses and acne. Oh my gosh. Don't even look at my sixth grade pictures. They're so bad. So bad. I'd like snaggle teeth and big Coke bottle glasses. Not my finest moment. I would have taken you to the snowball. Okay. (laughs) Those GS levels is what you want to look at when you're trying to determine if it's a good starting point for you. If it's saying like a five, seven, nine, there's pretty much very little chance that you'll get hired for that job if you don't have experience. So um, just keep that in mind. But you'll want to look at at those GS numbers. When you find a job that you're ready to apply for, um, then you'll go through the application process and they have you fill out a resume. Which is the funniest resume in the world. It's the funniest resume. So (laughs) (laughs) basically, uh, for this resume, you're putting every single thing that you've ever done in your entire life, even if you've only done it once and it applies to this job, you're just like, sure, sure, I'll put that on there. Oh my gosh. And when I've tried to get jobs in the park service, um, I've had luck just talking to the 
person who's hiring, uh-huh. <laughs> calling the park and being like, I want to ask some questions about this job. And a lot of times they will put me through to the actual person who's hiring for that position, which is really nice. Yeah. Because I got to talk to my boss in Glacier Bay before I even got the job. And she told me, she's like, well, this is a marine park. You know, we're on the ocean, boats, kayaking, whales. <laughs> she's like, anything, any experience that you have on a boat you put on your resume. Any experience you have in the water, you put on your resume. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm from Utah, so (laughs) I don't got a lot of ocean experience. I mean, I've been on a lake and a boat. She's like, put it on your resume. She's like putting on, I boogie boarded. uh, No, for real. And I was really good. (laughs) I can also body surf. And I found nine silver dollars or nine, what do they call them? (laughs) Dollars. I found nine sea sand dollars, dollars, sand dollars that I then returned back to the sea. <laughs> I don't know why I gave you that voice. Oh my gosh! But, but it's you make fun, but it's true. Like I visit, uh, I have family in California. We go to the beach once a year, and I'm really good at boogie boarding. <laughs> like no joke, no joke. Anything no joke. You she's can good think. at boogie boarding. Boogie boarding. <laughs> I am good at boogie boarding. I'm you so are. Good. You're very good. <laughs> So that's the trick with the resume. And that's something that they don't tell you just on the website. If you're just filling out applications, you're not going to know that you need to put literally every single piece of experience that you have that applies to the job. I have kayaked once. No, exactly. I have been on a canoe. Yes. You know, I got my canoeing merit badge. I'm really good at paddle boarding. Yes, exactly. No, for reals. That's what you do. It sounds ridiculous. I can do the backstroke for at least 20 meters before I veer off course and end up in (laughs) someone else's lane. You're making fun of this, but (laughs) you're exactly right. You would want to put that on your resume. I'm not even joking. I can swim. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Thanks to Boy Scouts, I can make a life preserver out of a pair of jeans. (laughs) I learned how to do that. There you go. See? Yeah, so so that's your resume. Like, I think my resume, by the time I got my last job with the Park Service, was like 21 pages long. Wow. So do not hold back. That's what they want. They want to see it all. Because when you're looking at the job that you're wanting to apply for, it will tell you that you need either, you know, X amount of experience or X amount of education or a mixture between the two. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in school, you know, if you're in college and you have your associate's degree done, that will count for your two years of experience. But if you aren't in college and you need two years of experience, then yeah, going canoeing a few times and yeah, man. <laughs> hiking during your summers and stuff like that, like that is the experience in some cases. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that's why that's why you're putting all of that down because you need to show them that you have the level of education or experience to even qualify for the job. Right. The other thing is you'll take an assessment when you fill out your application. And <laughs> this assessment just makes me giggle because it is not a time to be humble. <laughs> So basically, you take this assessment and it will say, you know, I can type really fast. And you're like, well, yeah, I can type pretty fast, you know, but but not like the fastest in the world. So I'm not going to give myself a five, you know, right. but a four out of 
you know, from one to five. Oh, yeah, four. I'm pretty fast. Eh, wrong. If you give yourself a four, you won't get the job. Oh, my gosh. Do not go off of your Mavis Beacon rating. <laughs> you, you have to like, like if it says like, I have experience canoeing and you're like, well, I've been canoeing once or twice, but like, I'm not. Am I a good canoer? I mean, I'm like, you know, a three. No, eh, you can wrong. canoe. You are an expert. You put five. Once I canoed through a incredible gale on the s- southern <laughs> sea. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to qualify your answer. They don't ask you. <laughs> so it's just multiple choice. It's based like on a numbers. one. Yeah, it's like a one through five or a one through ten, where you're just saying, "Yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. No, yes, no, yes," type of thing, and and you rate yourself between a, a range of numbers. Hmm. But the thing is, is if you don't give yourself fives, then they don't even look at your application because they put a like a you get your you give yourself points Mm -hmm. and those points, whoever applies and has the most points are put to the top of the list and then they'll only grab, you know, like 10 or whatever. So the top 10 people with the highest scores on their assessment is who they poll and then they'll look at everything else. So everybody in the park service is a sociopathic narcissist. That yeah. They're the best at everything. You have to be the best at everything. They're the they're the up one monster from Brian Regan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I walked on the moon. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, you have to be that person. And it feels so weird. Like I remember talking to my boss at Timpanogos Cave about it because I didn't know. Like who knows that? Nobody knows that right. before you apply. And I missed out on some jobs because they didn't even, I didn't even score myself high enough. And she's like, you got to give yourself fives. Everything has to be five. If you're not first, you're last. (laughs) Well, the thing is, bake, baby. The thing is, is, and I'm not like, I'm not for like lying Uh on stuff like that. I was a very good student. Yes, you were. (laughs) I'm a good test taker and I pride myself on my honesty, but it's like, (laughs) if they're not even going to look at my resume, if I don't rate myself high, then I, that doesn't make sense. Right. And so I want them to look at my resume. And then from there, they can decide if they like me or not. Right. Or if I'm qualified or not. But like based on this dumb little assessment that you take, whether or not I'm even looked at, like, psh, that's dumb. So. Ash got every job she ever applied for after this because <laughs> now she's an expert in every field. I am. <laughs> That first job that I got was at Grand Teton, but I also got offers from Mount Rainier and Olympic Mm -hmm. that year. I got offers from the Grand Canyon, which I didn't take. That'd be fun. I know. There's some that I like. I got offered one in Crater Lake, but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. I should go back. I wonder if the government holds onto those records. They do. I still have mine. Like chart my life. (laughs) <laughs> from that point back on and see like, I wonder what my life would have been like. If you would have worked crazy. at Crater Lake. Totally different timeline. I have a friend that works at Crater Lake. Both her and her husband are permanent Crater Lake Rangers up there. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you think this is the darkest timeline? What? <laughs> it's from community. This is the darkest timeline. Okay. So that's the assessment. And then do you think it always helps to call the like at the bottom of the job listing it will say who you can contact about this job and i do think it's worth even before you apply before you finish and submit everything call that person and just say hey i have some questions can i talk to the person who is hiring for the vua position mm-hmm. and a lot of times they will put you through and let you talk to them so i got to talk to my boss before grand teton 
and Glacier Bay and actually all of the three places that I worked as a park ranger. Nice. I talked to the hiring person first and they gave me little tips and things that I could do to push it through and things I should make sure I don't forget to include and stuff like that. So actually, it did work to my favor to call and just see if I could talk to somebody. Cool. There you go. That's kind of the process. And then you wait. <laughs> a long time. Um, you wait, they'll contact you, and then you'll actually go through the hiring interviews and stuff. But like I said, you got to give yourself fives. You got to get through that assessment so that they'll even look at your application and your resume. What I think is cool is it seems like there's lots of different avenues to get there. There's lots of different ways that you can become a park ranger. And so if you don't qualify for like the pathways or whatever other acronym you used, then you can go through like a nonprofit like ACE or something like that. There's Mm -hmm. lots of different ways that you can find your way into the career in the park service that you really want. Yeah. Well, and I've known people who worked for like um, the concessionaires, like the hotels Mm -hmm. or the restaurants, and then moved into the park service from there because they were still in the proximity of the people who were hiring for those jobs. Right. You know what I mean? And so like we had a girl who she worked at the Glacier Bay Lodge, which was just like a five minute walk from our office. And she would come down to the backcountry office where I worked and she would just talk to us and get to know us and stuff. And she got hired that very next year because yeah she she was interested and and she got to know my boss and and she got to know us and so then she got the job the next year it's the proximity principle it is it is that works too so if you can't get in through any of these special programs or you don't want to work for free (laughs) uh, (laughs) which i don't you know i don't blame you but it's called charity yes well (laughs) some of us can't afford to give charity for six months (laughs) Um, but yeah, you can, so you can work for the lodges or the restaurants. They've got, um, the nonprofit for the park. Every park like has a nonprofit that's running the gift shops and the visitor centers and things like that. And actually that's probably one of the best places to start is if you can get with the nonprofit because they do have you working in really close quarters with the park rangers. A lot lot of of times, a lot of times the people that end up giving our kids the junior ranger badges are those like nonprofit workers that work at the, that work at the cash register. Yeah. So we buy our shot glasses and our ornaments and then they give the kids the junior ranger badge. And, but yeah, they're usually standing right there at the desk with the park rangers. Yep. It's awesome. Or just five feet away. So that's a really good way too to get to know people if you don't want to work for free. Yes. You don't want to start off really small. So that's the process. I mean, that's the insider look at becoming a park ranger. I love it. It's so much fun. I have a lot of people who also have requested that I talk more about what it's like to be a park ranger, like my own particular experiences, which I think we will do, but I'm not going to do that today because... This was just getting your foot in the door. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) this is probably enough overload of information for you. But again, if you have somebody who wants to be a park ranger, somebody that you're just hoping to help them get their foot in the door, or if that's you, then uh, hopefully this helps. And if you have questions, leave them for me, because I really do think that the park service just needs really great people out there that are, you know, really wonderful and patient and excited And if that's you, then I am more than happy to help you get started with your park service career. Thanks for exploring the national parks with us. Please share, like, and subscribe. And if you need any help planning your own trip, click on over to dirtinmyshoes.com. See you next week. Same time, same place. 
and don't forget to get some dirt in your shoes. <laughs>